Hi everyone, and welcome to the Empowering Dietitians podcast, where each week I dive into a specific topic to help you feel more confident and connected to your work as a dietitian. This week, I'm bringing you something a little different. I'm actually not going to be on this episode at all. I'm passing the mic to Kayla, my current dietetic intern, to give her a taste of a solo podcast episode experience. In this episode, she'll be talking about one of her passions, working with kids and their parents, and tips she's learned both through her nutrition education and her experience as a nanny. And if you like this episode, scroll back to last week's, where I interview Kayla about her experience so far with the internship. Now, without further ado, here's Kayla. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Empowering Dietitians podcast. My name is Kayla Abella. I am a dietetic intern for Sutexo Dietetic Internships, and currently I am interning with Jess. So I'm really excited to be hosting this podcast today, and I'm just here to talk to you guys a little bit about raising intuitive eaters. It's something I'm really passionate about, and I hope to incorporate in my career in the future once I become a registered dietitian. So To start off today, I just kind of want to give you a background on some of the troubles that people face when it comes to raising intuitive eaters and just childhood and food. So a common issue amongst children that we find is picky eating. So they may be fearsome to try new foods. They may be stuck in a rut of the same old foods. We know our kids love chicken nuggets, mac and cheese, buttered pasta, sweets, all the good stuff. But Sometimes you want to make sure that they're getting that nutrients. So broccoli, vegetables, spinach, and it can be a little bit hesitant at times, whether it's because we might have accidentally implied that those foods are not as fun in society, or it's because the flavors are not as sweet or mild for them. So these are things that you want to kind of discuss with your child, work towards incorporating in their meals or just letting them explore food as a whole so that they can make their own individual decisions on what they would like to incorporate in their diet without labeling the foods as good or bad. So to kick off today's podcast, I'd like to talk about something that I learned in my undergraduate studies that I found to be really, really interesting and important when it comes to kids and eating. Piaget's four stages of cognitive development. So it sounds like a lot, It sounds very scientific, but it's pretty simple, and it breaks down the childhood ages into four different stages that kind of explain their development over time and different ways that that might cause their eating to be rather picky or when they start to get a little more adventurous with food. So the first stage I'm going to discuss is the sensory motor stage. So that is birth to two years old. And the major characteristics and developmental changes for that is that the infant knows the world through their movements and sensations. So this is when your toddler begins crawling, touching things. This is usually the phase where things start getting put in their mouths, like toys and beads. So it's things that you want to be a little more careful with. Children learn about the world through basic actions such as grasping, sucking, looking, listening. It's very sensory motor, in fact. (laughs) So 
Infants start to learn that things continue to exist even though they cannot be seen, so that's called object permanence. They also separate beings from the people and objects around them. They realize that their actions can cause things to happen in the world around them, so they may knock things over or they may grab things and rip them. I know the kids that I work with, um, whether I was working in a summer camp for toddlers or I babysit a lot, I've seen them tear some pages out of books or kind of throw their toys on the ground or dump things because it's a cause and effect during this stage. They want to see what's going to happen. The next stage I'm going to talk about is the pre-operational stage. So that's ages two through seven. So the major characteristics and developmental changes for this stage include children begin thinking symbolically. They use words and pictures to represent objects. This is a lot about visualization. So colors, shapes, sizes. They tend to be a little more egocentric and struggle to see things from the perspective of others. And while they're getting better with language and thinking, they still tend to think about things in very concrete terms. So this is that, and that is that. <laughs> There's no better way to explain that. The next stage I'm gonna discuss is the concrete operational stage. So that's ages seven to 11. So the major characteristics for this one are that during this stage, the children begin to think logically about concrete events. They understand the concept of conservation. So the amount of liquid in a short wide cup is equal to that in a tall skinny glass, for example. Their thinking becomes more logical and organized, but it's still very concrete. And lastly, in the formal operational stage, these characteristics start to develop more into an adult mindset. So they start to think abstractly, hypothetical problems, abstract through emerges, thoughts emerge, sorry. <laughs> Teens begin to think more about moral, physiological, ethical, social, political issues. They kind of form their own opinions on things and they feel very, very passionate. So how does this relate to food? Well, if we bring it back to the sensory motor stage, this is a lot of touching and feeling. And when you have a picky child in this stage, it's very common because everything is very concrete they're thinking about what's around them and they're starting to learn about the world. So anything new might scare them. Throwing a bowl of broccoli in front of them when all they've been eating is baby food might be a little bit nerve wracking and scary. So this is the time when you wanna give your infant food to touch, play with, understand, smell, taste. That way they can get a little bit more used to the idea of trying new foods. But you don't have to really push it because from birth to two years, you're mainly gonna be feeding pureed foods, breast milk, those kind of things. So it's not as common for them to really need to experiment with new foods, but even things like taking your meal that you have with your family and pureeing it or putting it into a form of baby food can actually help them develop more of a taste for such foods and kind of get them used to it. The pre-operational stage, that two to seven-year-old, when they start thinking about symbolically and using words and pictures to represent objects, this is the time where you want to make sure that the plate is colorful. You're incorporating different food groups into this plate that have different colors, shapes, sizes, things that are bright and catch the attention of the toddler or the young um, adolescent child. So these would be things such as putting fruit, vegetable, grain, protein, this is when you really start incorporating that my plate on that plate. 
Next, we're going to talk about the concrete operational stage, that's 7 to 11. This is when they're thinking logically about concrete events. So this is like the concept of conservation and organized stuff. So you want to make sure, now that they're thinking about the foods, are they going to be thinking very negatively towards them? Or are they going to be standoffish towards it? Are they going to be kind of building this memory around the foods that could be negative or could be positive. So you wanna make sure that their experience with food is not pushed on them. You wanna give them, them that autonomy to kind of pick and choose what they want, which you wanna do this through all the stages, but especially now it's very important to make sure that they have the autonomy to pick and choose what they want to try. This one book that I read called Pete the Cat, I read it to the kids I nanny they talk about this concept called the three bite rule. So I usually use this concept with these kids and I say, okay, well, you have never tried pickles, let's say. Why don't we take three bites and if you don't like it after three bites, you can put it away. You don't have to eat that. But three bites, you can decide whether you like it or you don't. So this is that kind of stage where you want to bring that in there. You would also want to try that in the two to seven-year-old stage because it gives them that autonomy to choose what they want to eat and they can decide whether they like it. Next, the formal operational stage. So that's the last stage, 12 and up. This is when they start thinking abstractly, hypothetical problems. This is a very, very detrimental or important stage for children when it comes to eating because this is when eating disorders can develop. So it's very important to give children at this stage in their life the autonomy to pick and choose what they wanna eat helping them develop a relationship with food. So you can do this throughout all the stages, but especially now you wanna cook with your child, teach them about the food. If you garden, bring them out to the garden and show them how the food is grown. Help them develop a really healthy relationship with food at this stage to avoid any issues and any kinds of emotional connection to food that is negative. So this kind of brings it all into what are the different responsibilities when it comes to mealtime? covers all four stages, all age groups of children from birth to 18. So the kid's responsibility is how much food and whether they want to eat. So when you put the plate out there, which the parent's responsibility is what they eat, when they eat, and where they eat. So dinner time comes around, it's five o'clock, the parents say, okay, five o'clock, we're gonna eat. We're gonna eat broccoli, chicken, and rice. Where are they going to eat? We're going to eat at the dinner table as a family. That's what the parent just decided. Five o'clock, broccoli, chicken, and rice at the dinner table. The kid sits down. They are able to choose how much of this meal that they want to eat and whether they want to eat. Now, there is an old routine that a lot of people practiced where it, the dinner you didn't leave the dinner table unless you finished your plate. We don't necessarily want to do that because that forces overeating and it forces filling up your stomach when you're already full. So you wanna respect the child's fullness and their ability to say, hey, I don't want any more, or hey, I wanna try some more of this food. You also wanna respect their wishes. If this is something they don't want, they don't have to eat it. But you don't always have to cater to that. If it's something where you're like, this is what I'm serving tonight, they can choose not to have it. They're not gonna starve. They'll be hungry, they'll try it maybe next time, and maybe next meal you can make something different. But it's your responsibility as the parent to decide what they eat, when they eat, and where they eat, and the kid can choose how much food and whether they eat. Next, I wanna kinda of touch upon a little bit on 
the benefits of section plates, because I think this is so important when it comes to especially those first two stages, birth to two years old and then two to seven years old. So I don't know if you've ever seen the plates in the shop, right? Or they have like paper plates that you can get this or you can get reusable plates from Amazon, but they have various sections on the plate. So you can put different types of food and different food groups for your child to experiment with, taste, look at. It keeps it kind of fun. They also have some that are more like games for the kid, which I do want to encourage, especially at a young age, playing with your food. Because although that was something that was viewed as bad back in the day, it actually helps the kids really grow comfortable with their food and understand the textures, the flavors, the sight, the smell, and it really helps them just grow accustomed to the different foods. So with section plates, it also gives the child options. So let's say we have that dinner time with the broccoli, chicken, and rice. But for your child, you add a little bit of cheese in one section as well. So you have like one section broccoli, one rice, one chicken, one cheese, maybe a little bit of carrots, something else. So that gives the child options. So if they say, you know what, I'm giving my three bite rule to the broccoli and I don't like it. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm gonna go over and I'm gonna try these carrots. That's on the other section of my plate. And you know what, I like them. So I'm gonna eat those carrots and mommy will take the broccoli for now. That gives them that autonomy to choose and they have more options. So it also allows them to taste test things because I mean, they're new to the world, so they're trying new foods. The other thing that kind of ties into section plates is eating the rainbow, which is so, so important to introduce to young children and up. So eating the rainbow is basically making sure you have as many colors as possible on your plate. They recommend, um, the MyPlate and like the government regulations recommend at least five or more colors for children's plates and adults too as well, but especially for children that growing and developing, they need all these micro and macronutrients in their diet to support and sustain healthy growth. So when you eat the rainbow, you make sure that you have different colored fruits, vegetables, proteins, carbohydrates on your plate so that it's a well-rounded balance of colors, micronutrients, and that way the child is also seeing a lot of colors, it's good for their sensory motor, it's good for their visual learning, and they associate the foods with different colors, so it makes it kind of more fun at mealtime. Another thing just to touch upon sensory motor and just visual impact at mealtime is eating with no distractions. So this has been a more recent issue that has emerged with the wave of new technology that we have in this world right now. I notice a lot of parents placing iPads in front of their children at the dinner table or sitting with TV on and like eating in front of the TV, which trust me, I totally get it. It can be tough at dinner time. Kids can be distracted. It can be a little bit challenging, especially when you're at a restaurant, you just don't want to deal with like the tantrums or the kicking and the screaming. So the one issue with this is that once they become distracted with iPads, TV, phone, while they're eating, eating doesn't really become a connection to the food anymore. It starts to become something that you're doing in conjunction while you're watching TV. So if you ever notice, this happens to everybody. So sometimes you're watching a movie and you're like, you know, what? I just need something to pick on and you're eating out of a bio popcorn, let's say. 
you just keep eating and eating and eating before you notice that you ate the whole bag of popcorn and your stomach hurts. And you're like, why did I eat all that? I wasn't even hungry. It's because you were distracted and eating just was not the main priority at the time. It was watching the movie. So your body was just, you were just eating. You weren't even thinking about it. You weren't hungry. So this can start at a young age by putting TV, games, shows in front of the child while they're eating. So that's something you want to try to avoid as much as possible. Engage the child at dinner time by maybe talking to them or having them kind of like pick and choose how long they want to be at the table. I know this is a little more difficult when it comes to restaurants, but when they're at home, you can say, okay, well, let's eat for let's say 10 to 20 minutes, and then you can get up and you could take a break. Because for kids, sitting down at the dinner table for more than 20 minutes can be a little challenging for them. They have a lot of energy and it might be unreasonable for them to do that. So the next thing I wanted to discuss was just about using utensils at the table. So we definitely wanna encourage the children to pick and play with their food a little bit with their hands when they're younger, but eventually you do wanna kind of bring in those table manners and get them ready for dining with family, friends, going out to restaurants. So the appropriate utensils by age is to introduce a spoon by two years old, a fork by three years old, and a knife with supervision at five. Those are different milestones that are good to kind of keep around. Of course, it varies by the child. Some develop faster, some you might want to wait a little bit because they might be enjoying like the finger food thing. It might be better for them. They might have an extra sensory or they might need more time in that sensory motor kind of stage with that. So it really depends varying by the child, but just keeping those milestones in mind just to get, help your kid get more acclimated to dinner time. And again, just touching upon cooking with your kids and the benefits. So when it comes to that time, I mean, I've seen people having their two-year-old cook with them, especially the family that I babysit for. She has her children kind of help with cutting up the fruits and, and putting things together and cracking the eggs. Like they have their own like baby safety knives, which are really cute. And it's definitely a great way to incorporate them into the meal cooking process and learn more about the food and just, they have more pride in eating it then because it's like, hey, I made this meal, like that's super cool. So it's definitely a great thing to incorporate your kids in the cooking process. Also, you can share family recipes and that can help with like bonding. It's just an overall wonderful experience. And you also want to put yourself in their shoes. So when it comes to mealtime and you feel like you're struggling a lot with them eating a certain food, make sure that you step back and have that empathy and think, hey, maybe this is just not comfortable for them because of, I mean, it can actually be a wide variety of like things going on. So I'll actually share this quick story um, I read on Pinterest, actually. There was this um, mom and she had a lot of issues with her child, like throwing tantrums and stuff. And he had ADD, I believe it was. So he was very like, um, like he had a lot of hyper, um, he was very hyper and had a lot of tantrums and a lot of emotional issues that were occurring at this time. And she said that for the past few months, she had been um, asking him to take out the garbage every night 
and he was doing it and everything was going smoothly and she had some issues, but when she had these issues, she consulted, um, I think it was a family therapist who had suggested a different approach instead of getting angry and yelling or like having a fight break out whenever he would have these tantrums, she was supposed to just step back, take a deep breath, let it go, and then revisit the situation at a later time and discuss it with her child and see if there's a way that they can make, make like a, a compromise and meet in the middle. So like I said before, she had him taking out the garbage every night or something like that or once a week or whatever and it had been a usual thing for a few months so this time she asked him to take out the garbage at night and he said no and she said well I need you to do this for me and she handed him the garbage and he threw it on the floor he said I'm not doing this and instead of getting angry and yelling at him she took a deep breath just like the therapist said stepped away from the situation left the garbage right there and turn around and continue washing the dishes. She said, okay. The child went into the other room, started reading, playing, whatever. She goes in after a few minutes and she said, hey, you really didn't want to take out the garbage, did you? And he goes, well, the problem is I'm really scared to go outside at night and take out the garbage because it's dark. Now, if she had just yelled at him and had a whole like event, she wouldn't have been able to discuss that with him. So she said, wow, I really didn't know that you were uncomfortable doing that. Maybe instead we can start taking the garbage out earlier in the day when it's brighter out. And he said, yeah, I'll definitely do that. So they were able to come together and make a compromise and discuss something that was bothering the child. So how does this tie back to mealtime? So when it comes to your child refusing to eat a food or having tantrums at mealtime, look at the bigger picture. Step into their shoes, empathize with them. Are they uncomfortable in their chair? Sometimes they're outgrowing the chair that they're sitting in. Do you think that they're teething? Do they have a loose tooth? Maybe the food that they're eating has a weird flavor that bothers them. Maybe they have a little bit of a stomach ache. Maybe they're eating too early when they're not hungry. Are they eating too late and they've been too hungry? So there's a bunch of different like things that can contribute to a child having a little bit of a difficult time at the dinner table. So as much as you can try and understand and if your child is of the age where it's easy to communicate with them, talk it out with them. Find out what's going on. Don't be afraid to take a breath, step back, and talk about it with them at a later time. You're doing great and it's never your fault. It's just something that needs to be discussed with your child. That way you can kind of figure it out, compromise, and work together as a team. So Last but not least, I want to talk about educating your child. So it can be really difficult and it's kind of a common thing to kind of sneak fruits and vegetables in your kid's food. And they have all of these like chicken nuggets with vegetables mixed in because the word vegetables is so scary. And I think that that's a huge problem that we have nowadays. So and vegetables and the word vegetables should not be scary to your kids. It shouldn't be something that they don't want calling it healthy shouldn't be something that's bad because healthy is healthy. They don't really understand the concept of good or bad. So this all starts from when people say, all right, eat your broccoli and then I'll give you a cookie. It makes the broccoli seem like a bad food. So you want to educate your kids on food as a whole, what the food does for us. How does it help our bodies? Maybe even showing them like a diagram for kids, of course, <laughs> 
of how the food goes into the tummy and then it spreads out and it helps build strong muscles so they can be strong like um who's in the oh pj mask gecko or so they can be fast like Catboy, or so they can like jump off of walls like spider-man so you want to make it relatable to them you want to make them feel like this food is fueling me and you also want to bring it back to your family so if you have a special family home recipe and you say hey this is grandma's recipe why don't we make grandma's cookies or grandma's pasta and we'll do it together and it's something that they can relate to. So you wanna educate them on that. You don't wanna have any kind of connotations of good and bad food. You want it all to be amazing for the child. And one tip I'll leave you for that is when it comes to dinner time, I actually just read about this and I found this to be super interesting you should be placing the dessert on the plate with the dinner for your kid. Because if you have a plate, let's say the section plate with all these different foods and there's a cookie on it, that's just another one of the foods they're gonna eat. It's not associated as a reward. It's not a good versus bad food. It's just another food on their plate. And it helps with them dissociating negative emotions or negative feelings towards certain foods that are healthy or certain foods that are treat foods using those words and keeping that connotation with the different foods can cause a lot of issues when it comes to mealtime and it can make it difficult for the child to fully understand what foods they actually want versus what foods they don't want because they'll be thinking, hey, well, I don't want broccoli because mommy says that that's the food I have to eat in order to get to the cookie. That means that that food's icky. So kind of want to take that whole part out of eating and I swear it's going to make things a lot easier for you. And I think that's all I have for today. Well, thank you so much for having me today. I'm so happy that I got to host this little discussion about raising intuitive eaters and helping with picky eating as a child because I know it's something that a lot of people struggle with and I really want to help everybody out and make sure that you can raise an intuitive eater and keep mealtime fun for you and your child. So thank you again, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowering Dietitians podcast. If you enjoy these episodes, it would mean the world to me if you could share it with your dietitian friends, and if you listen on Apple Music, leave a rating and review. This helps the podcast reach more dietitians, so that we can really create a collective of dietitians who feel confident and connected both to their work and each other. You are not alone. And as always, if you're looking for that extra level of support, check out my Empowering Dietitians Supervision Services at www.empoweringdietitians.com supervision. Thank you.